standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here, just hanging out at home, cooking some kaolettes, because that's how I roll. Kaolettes, yeah, pretty good. Marks and Spencer's, mate. Yeah. What I'm supposed to be doing, however, is introducing you to this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. You're welcome. Back in August, we were up in Edinburgh, we might have mentioned it once or twice, and we did loads of interviews, including one with a friend of the show and long-term internet slash now real-life acquaintance of mine, Paula Maguire. Paula was on the show last year chatting about her plans for a big mad swim and what she'd been doing to combat anxiety. Things didn't go quite according to plan for Paula on her big mad swim. So I had a chat with her about what went on, about why failure isn't always a bad thing, and her year of fear. That's right guys, year of fear. We did obviously record this back in August, so we mentioned a chap called Ross, who did in fact go on to become the first person to swim around mainland Great Britain in November this year. Fucking patriarchy with a fucking swimming, eh? I'm joking, well done Ross, that's, that's tremendously cool. Because apparently it is quite hard. Who knew? Before I let you dig in to your helping of the Sunday Chops, I should just tell you, we've got one last final gig of the year in London at the Leicester Square Theatre, and that is on December the 16th. And the lineup for that is absolutely stonking. We've got Felicity Ward, Susie Ruffle, Lolly Adifope, and Laura Bates. And that'll be Mick and Hannah hosting. Also, we did just announce last week a little uh, early Christmas present for you guys. If you get yourself online, you can get two-for-one tickets on our December and indeed January show by using the code SI, as in standard issue, not sexual infection, 241 numbers. So that's SI, number two, number four, number one. As does tend to be the case, I have kept you for long enough. So over to Paula who, as ever, is just the most wonderfully inspiring human. I hope you enjoy it. I'm talking to Paula Maguire, adventurer, talker, speaker, author, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-all-trades. Let's not call you a jack-of-all-trades. That's a bit rude, isn't it? Who you will remember spoke to us last year on the podcast. We're, we're in a cafe in Edinburgh, occasionally above the sound of our voices you're probably going to hear the radio a bit of traffic and other human beings talking which is fine they're allowed to feels a bit weird shutting the door so yeah traffic that's happening anyway paula hello hello how are you it's good to see you yeah it's good to see you too i'm all right it's been a busy day it's been a busy couple of days it's very nice to see you again so last time we spoke you were about to embark on what you called your big mad swim around Britain. So you were going to swim, you were going to be, I believe, the first person ever to swim the entire coast of Great Britain. Paula, what happened? (laughs) Well, the fact that I'm sitting here about two months before I was meant to finish the swim (laughs) either means that I'm a really, really fast swimmer or that I didn't actually manage to swim around Britain and um, yeah, it's the latter. I didn't actually manage to swim around Britain. I started, I got to the start line which um, everyone says is one of the hardest parts and it was because I had to learn to swim before I got there but yeah, it all went a bit wrong after that. A little bit of a recap for anyone who hasn't listened to the fantastic Sunday Chops we did with you back in August last year. 
How did you get to the position where you were about to embark on this challenge and like, what, what made you do it? Um, the Big Mad Swim, I guess, was kind of a, the culmination of about four years of me battling my way back out of anxiety. So when I turned 30, I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't um, talk on a phone. I couldn't, you know, there was so many things that I just couldn't do. I'd kind of, I'd shut life down and I, I was not really a functioning adult. I had really bad social anxiety and everything that comes with that. So I, I kind of made the decision back then that I would give myself a chance to, to fight my way back out of it, and that's, that's what I did. And I actually met you through the first challenge that I took on, which was the Glasgow 2014 Challenge. Um, I was trying all the, the Commonwealth sports while you were trying all the Olympic sports. And then I just kind of went on from there. But the last big one that I hadn't really learned was to learn to swim. I was really terrified of water and I tried my hardest to let me swim as part of the, the Glasgow 2014 challenge. I did a triathlon as part of that, but I couldn't swim. So I did it with a float, <laughs> like a child. So I never really got to the point that I wasn't terrified in, in the water. And I thought, yeah, what's, what's the best thing that I can do to, to frighten myself out of that is to try and attempt a, a world record through swimming. And I, I realised that no one had ever, as you said, no one had ever tried to swim around Britain, for good reason, it turns out. And I thought, well, I need to give it a go. Even if I just attempt it, um, I'll still be the first person to ever have attempted to do it, because no one up to that point had even gone out, you know, put in the prep, got the boat, and tried to swim around Britain. So I, I, I say that I'm still the first person to attempt to swim around Britain just not the first person to actually do it. Well, you know, maybe your time will come. Maybe no one's time will ever come. Maybe it is actually just too hard. I finished up in May and a guy called Ross started just a couple of weeks later and he is he's powering it and I have no doubt that he will he will manage it. Um, he's a fantastic athlete, an amazing swimmer. He's done some really crazy things. And I believe that he's in, in Scotland at the minute, swimming around. So I'm pretty sure that he's going he's gonna to ace it. But he didn't start before me, so I'm still the first person that ever attempted to swim around Britain. What happened and what led to you deciding not to complete the challenge? So I had planned for about a year. I'd put in all the, the prep that I could. I'd, as I say, I'd learned to swim properly, done lots of training, I'd bought a boat. All of this was, you know, financed by just begging, stealing and borrowing. Got a team together, you know, I, everything that I could do up front, I did. And I got into the water on the 24th of April and it just all went to hell <laughs> because... I was terrified, just utterly, utterly terrified. And I can deal, as you know, I can deal with fear, I can deal with terror, I'm pretty good at it these days. And that was all right. So when I was in the water doing two and a half, three hour swims, I was okay. But then I had to get back on a boat and live on a boat. And I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable at all living on a boat. I was on the water pretty much constantly. And I hadn't really thought about the fact that I would never really get any respite from, from being on the water. So I was okay when I was in the water, 
at that heightened level of panic as long as I could then get on land. So we, we did some swims that I could then go on to a beach or you know be on land and I was all right after that. But once I was getting back on the boat and we were staying on the boat 24 hours and then I was having to get back on the water at that heightened level of stress all the time, it was just bringing everything, everything back. I started to have panic attacks in the water, which wasn't just unsafe for me, it was unsafe for my kayaker because they were have you know, her and the team were having to drag me out of the water, completely frozen. I couldn't couldn't move, completely immobilised by fear. And it became clear quite early on that I was not getting used to it. That I thought maybe it would become a bit more normal and maybe it would um, I would eventually get over it. And it just it wasn't happening. So every moment that I was on the boat I was terrified every mo- moment that I was off the boat in the water. I was terrified, so um, yeah, I cr- quickly began to to really crack, and I was falling into really bad old habits that I can. Luckily now, I I know my own anxiety. I know when when to spot it. I know the things that that trigger it, and I got to a point that I could really see it coming coming back. And I was doing things like not wanting to talk to people and shying away. And, and I was out there to, to prove something about mental health and I was out there to raise money for mental health. And here I was completely breaking my own recovery. So I decided that it just, it would have been, it would have been easier to keep going. That sounds, that sounds stupid because I couldn't have kept going. I would have died in the water. But it was really difficult to make the decision to say, this isn't for me. We've we've all come out here I've dragged you all out of your lives for six months and you know we've put all this money into it but I can't do this and that was really that was so hard the decision to to just stop it and to to walk away was was so difficult but as soon as I did it and as soon as I told everyone that that this was it I knew it was the right decision for not just for me but for the team as hard as it was on them I think it would have been harder for them if, if I would have kept going because there was there was going to be an injury <laughs> at the very least. So yeah, I walked away at a point that we were about a month in, I think, and and I changed it and I tried to do something else with it and kind of keep us going to keep us together as a team. But it just wasn't it wasn't what we were all out there for, and eventually it just became clear that that it wasn't going to work. Hello. I just noticed you going in your bag for something and could hear the jingle jangle of some change. Now then, if that change isn't being used for a cup of tea or coffee or to do a worthy cause, you could consider giving it to us. And you can do that by popping over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash standard issue. And any bunts you would like to throw our way is very gratefully received and helps us keep making content that champions women. Thanks very much. So what did you do afterwards? You, you've gone home now. Are you following it up with any other kind of challenge or are you kind of like getting back into normal life, whatever that is, for someone who does the, you know, the challenges and the stuff that, that you've been doing over the last few years? It was quite a difficult homecoming, I won't lie. It was really hard. We, we took, took our time coming, coming back. My husband took ill on the way, so we took, we took our time coming back. And then when I got back... 
it was really difficult to face a reality that I hadn't accomplished this in. It was really difficult to face the fact that, you know, this this had failed. And, and it was lovely because so many people have said to me, you know, it didn't fail, you changed it, you learned from it. But for me, it was really important to say it did fail by the very definition of failure. I went out to try something and I didn't manage it. But for me... My anxiety always came from this big fear of failure. And here I was having failed on this catastrophic level, you know, in front of everyone and after all this planning. And nothing bad happened. Like, nothing, nobody died. The world didn't collapse around me. Here I was having faced this massive fear of failure. And I'm still here. And for me, that's that's a huge positive because I've learned from that that I can still try things. I can still go out and do whatever it is that I want to try. And if I fail, nothing happens. The world keeps spinning and I'm all right. So I'm taking that on to my next challenge, which is, which is going to be um, the year of fear. So I'm going to try 13 of the things that have ever given me real fear in my life. So that's things as broad as like rejection and change and as narrow as clowns, which utterly terrify me. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm going to have a year of just trying all the things. And failure was always the top of that list, so I've already ticked one off. So I've only got 12 to do over the next year. How are you going to test rejection? Like, what, what does that entail? Do you know how you're going to do that? I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but I think it's so broad that there are lots of things that I can do. Um, you know, even things like going out and doing free hugs or and getting rejected that way or risking rejection that way or job applications that, <laughs> that are too broad, too big for me. There's just lots of scope, I think, for terrifying myself in the most ridiculous way. I'm thinking that I might do a stand-up show or because that's utterly terrifying for me. So I might do something like that. But um, it's going to be a really fun, really terrifying and probably quite interesting year. I think fear of failure is a pretty universal fear. Like, no one wants to do that. I remember when I was doing my Olympic challenge, I was going to run the marathon, which I had already done once, but I was going to do it again as part of the thing, and I had to not do it because I'd injured myself. Ironically, the first time I ran the marathon when I <laughs> did no training, <laughs> and uh, ruined my legs forever. There's a moral to that story, guys. But I remember the point at which I had to say, I can't, I actually can't do this. It, it hurts, and I'm risking my health, basically, so I have to not do this. And it felt awful. Yeah, it was horrible, and you're like, what are people, people going to think, whatever, and, you know, for the most part, people don't give a shit, do they? People are so busy with their own stuff you know there's quite a lot going on in the world these days nobody gives a damn if I didn't swim around Britain the fact that I went out and tried it was kind of enough for people and I've had so much just positivity about it and and I feel like it was a better lesson for me actually learning that um, I was out trying to face one big fear and actually the biggest fear that I had was was failing it and and I faced that and and it's fine and as you say it's, it's quite a universal fear. Most people have that, that real fear of failure. And it branches off into just so many different aspects of our life. And I feel a bit freed from that at the moment because um, it, it's been difficult. You know, there, there has been difficult moments when I've been back just thinking, oh, God, you know, I, I brought a whole team into this and I've, you know, I've wrecked people's lives. But, yeah, it's been, it's been really positive for me to just learn that, that I have that in me, that there's nothing that, that really... Can, can take nothing can take me down which <laughs> sounds really I don't know big headed or something but yeah I feel a lot stronger for having done it the world has not changed the world still is difficult and scary a place but I feel like I've 
given myself the tools to face that. Does that give you confidence going into other aspects of your life? Well, definitely. I think all of these mad things that we do really bleeds into the rest of, of your life. You know, I've done things these now that I would just never have expected to have done. Um, I've had the opportunity, you know, to write a book and to do podcasts with you guys and, you know, do all this amazing stuff that I would never have had the opportunity to do. I would never have faced beforehand. If someone had given me the opportunities, I would have ran a mile in the opposite direction. But nowadays, it, it kind of feels like I can, I can try anything. I can do whatever it is that I want to do and just live my life. And I wish that I could bottle that and give that to people that I see struggling. I wish that I could say, you know, it is out there. You, you, you can really do this. And, um, and people that are, you know, a million times more talented um, than I am that just don't have the confidence to go out and, and try it because the world has knocked them so much. And I wish that I could give them some of this positivity that, that I've managed to, to find. Because we've had quite a similar kind of experience in a lot of ways. We both tried this like daft challenge, a similar kind of theme, and that our lives have gone in quite random different directions as a result of that. So I used to be a civil servant, and now this is my job. And it all stems from this place of just trying this different thing. At this ra- random point in my life, just like, oh, I'm going to try and do this. And then this is how that's panned out for me. And for you, same thing. Your work has changed, the things you do change. You get to, do, you know, you do like motivational speaking and shit like that and you get paid for it, man. Like, it's crazy. And I feel like the key is just to try something new, just to take yourself out of your comfort zone and try something new and see what you can achieve by doing that. What do you think about that? Absolutely. We are both sitting in a cafe in Edinburgh at like three in the afternoon (laughs) because we went out and we just gave something a go, something that was completely out with everything that we'd ever done in our lives. And we were both so uncomfortable doing some of those sports. But it wasn't just the sports. Like, it's just carried on and it's just kept going from that. And, um, And I know that if I started by trying to learn to cycle because I'd never cycled before and if I had never tried to cycle I wouldn't be sitting here now on a podcast talking to you guys or as you say you know motivational speaking at conferences and and things that I just would never have imagined that I could do and I did that from learning to cycle imagine what people who are competent could do (laughs) if they just went out and, and gave things a go I don't like it when you keep saying things like, oh, if they're confident, they're far more talented than me. Take the compliment, all right? Done incredible things. So you've written a book. What is your book called and what's it about? My book is called Must Try Harder because the blog was initially called, what still is called, Paula Must Try Harder, uh, as a kind of nod to my PE teachers that that always wrote that on on my report card. So it's called Must Try Harder Adventures in Anxiety and it is in two parts that... The, f- the first part is all about the anxiety and it's it's quite a difficult read it's it's all about how how I ended up at the point that I couldn't leave the house anymore but I felt like you really needed that context to care about all the adventures that were that were to come and the second part is much more cheerful and it's all about me doing all the sports me trying wing walking and giving a TEDx talk and you know, all the things that have, that have come from from that initial cycling experience um, so it kind of takes you through the journey of how I got to be 
this really socially anxious, reclusive person and how I broke my way back out of that. And did you enjoy the process of writing it or was it a bit uncomfortable for you? I've always wanted to write you know it's, it's something that I've always wanted to do since I was four you know like since I knew that writing books was a job that people did that's all I've ever wanted to do I just kind of lost the confidence to do it but this is not the book that I expected to be writing I never expected to be writing a book at 30 what am I now th- 36 about my life <laughs> I never expected that that to happen and it was really really difficult it was really painful. I had quite a quick turnaround for, of, of writing it because I needed to get it done before I went out in the swim in case I died. Um, so there was, I only had a few months to write it and I had to kind of hold myself up with lots of memories that I never really thought that I would have to bring to the fore. I thought that I had put all that stuff behind me and while it was still part of me, it wasn't all of me anymore and I had to bring it back so that I remembered it correctly I had to bring it back to a point that it, that it was all of me for a while and there were times when I was writing the first half of the book that I was just a wreck you know I was just sitting in my house just crying and eating chocolate and normal Sunday night um, just you know it, it really really was difficult to to pull some of those things out and I wrote it in really kind of short sharp sections for, for many reasons, because I get bored writing at times, but also because it meant that if there was anything that I was really uncomfortable with, I could lift it right at the last minute. I could just take it out before I sent it to the publisher and just say, I don't want, like, I don't want that bit in it. When I actually did write it all, it all went in because it was, the difficult part was getting it, getting it out and getting it on paper. And when I, when I saw it down there, I thought this could actually help one person to know that, you know, I've gone through that as well. The more difficult part for me was actually when people started reading it back and then reporting to me that they'd read it back. So people are coming and saying things to me that I'm like, oh, God, I forgot I'd put that in there. Oh, yeah, I heard that all the time. You're like, how do you know that? Oh, I'd put it in. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone's reading my... It's like people are reading my diary. And one of the most difficult conversations was when my dad said to me, I just finished your book. And I was like, all right, OK. And we're standing in, in, the back, in his back garden and he was like... I didn't know a lot of that stuff. You know, I, I didn't realise that it was so difficult. And we both had a moment and we both had some tears and it was just like, God, this is hard. This is hard having people read this stuff. But if, as I say, if, if it makes a difference for somebody, then it was absolutely worth it. And what kind of reaction have you had to it? Have you had people contact you and tell you that it's helped them? Yeah, I've had, I've had quite a lot of people um, get in touch, actually who I had no idea that they were struggling or that I, I've never met before. or And I get lots of really lovely emails saying, this is this has meant something to me. Not that they're going to go out and try wing walking or throw themselves out of a plane, but just that they felt comforted by the fact that someone else was actually had actually been through that. Um, and it wasn't just them. And they weren't, you know, abnormal or, you know, they, that they could that they could go and get the support that they needed because there was nothing embarrassing about it or to be ashamed of because here it was in print that, that other people are actually struggling and there's so many of us. Um, there's so many of us that, that struggle and we just don't talk about it and hopefully this will give people a, a springboard to, to talk about it more. Paula, where can we get hold of a copy of your book? So you can buy the book from Waterstones or on Amazon. It's called Mushroom Harder Adventures in Anxiety. And there's links to it on my website as well. The website is www.paulamusttryharder.co.uk.
And where can people find you on Twitter should they wish to communicate with you or just find out what you're up to and how all that rejection's going? They can find me at pmushtryharder across pretty much all social media platforms. Paula, thank you so, so much for chatting to me again. It's been an absolute joy and I really do think you are very, very inspiring. Thank you. Hello, Jen here. If you like us, you can follow us on all of the social medias. All of the social medias? All of them apart from Snapchat because that's for sending roadies to people with and we um, don't want them. One set been recently invented that aren't meant exactly. to foul people. Instagram though, Bebo, we are on... MySpace. <laughs> Instagram though, we are on that and we post pictures of things that aren't even cats, like our guests and stuff like that. <laughs> They're not cats. Some cat guests? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next week, a cat special. Uh, <laughs> You can also find us on the Twitter. We are at Standard Issue UK. We are at Standard Issue Podcast on Instagram. And we are Standard Issue Magazine on Facebook. You're welcome. Standard Issue for all women.